0: Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we analyze and discuss Star Trek Three, The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris LaSalle.
1: I must be your other co-host, David Stoker. Hey, Dave. Chris. It's Friday. It is, and it's been a good week.
0: It's been a great week. So uh, let's welcome back our guests. They're helping us close out the week, the Sullivan brothers. Uh, Paul Sullivan from the Sully Baseball Podcast. Hey, Paul.
2: Hey, how are you?
0: Great. And uh, Ted Sullivan, uh, co-executive producer and writer for Star Trek Discovery. Welcome back, Ted. Thank
3: you for having me.
1: And I guess some uh, congratulations are in order, Ted. Uh, I believe you're show got picked up for a second season.
3: We did. Woo-hoo! We're very, very excited. So um we have a lot of work ahead of us. Uh we're still finishing up season one, but uh it's really cool and uh really, really excited at how people are responding so far to this season. So it's pretty cool.
0: Did you did you have any doubts though that you would get picked up for a second season? Were you
3: worried or uh I have been <laughs> <laughs> and so many situations uh, where you have absolutely no idea how things are gonna go so uh, I have a rule that basically says I don't believe anything until I read it in the press and usually when I have a contract signed in front of me um, so there's always a question that's probably the safe way here yeah I mean yeah. like you could, they could have they could have gone a different direction creatively or what there's a million different things they could have done so um, you never take, it for granted, and you're really, really grateful when it happens, and I think everyone in the room is super excited to get in and build on what works and, and keep adapting and changing Star Trek and and keeping the stuff alive that, that really works and that we love.
2: Well, congratulations, awesome. buddy. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, and your episode was on the Sunday, the 22nd. I believe this is dropping on the 27th of October, and so this, this was... Your episode uh, was on the uh, this Sunday. For those of you, I'm not going to say any spoilers for those who haven't watched it, but yep. I will say I it was re- I was really impressed by the episode. I think it turned out great. Um, I th- it's applicable to Star Trek three because Sarek is a major character in the story in your episode, as is the concept of a Katra. Yeah, and. Yeah. You built upon the katra instead of having it just be a plot device. You had you sort of built upon it and said, "Let's let's explore what a katra is beyond j- just a ghost that uh, is sitting in inside McCoy's brain," and yeah. and and made, and made a very interesting emotional decisions to it, which I thought was really impressive.
3: Well, and we also tried to. I I, I wrote this one with Joe Menosky, and Joe Menosky is a who I, I think he's he's written more episodes of Star Trek than anyone with the exception of one person. Um, and he wrote my one of my absolute favorite episodes of Star Trek, Edward Darmok. Uh, it was a TNG episode. Um, he, so he's, he's a super, super intelligent, trippy writer. Uh, I was really uh, honored to write with him. Um, he's been an inspiration to me since I was in college and watching episodes that he had written of TNG. So uh, he's... He knows Trek inside and out and so we were able to really try to build on a lot of that stuff. And my love for Star Trek 3 really did play into the episode that we did because of the Katra and because Sarek and Vulcan are such a integral part of this particular episode. So, so that was exciting. It was fun.
2: And J- James Frain, it's Frain, yeah. right? James Frain. Yeah. Who plays Sarek and he's a, he's a terrific actor and I like the fact that he did not do a Mark Lennard impersonation. No. That he just he he just he I never did not believe he was Sarek, but it was kind of like, you know, two people can play a character like James Earl Jones and Denzel Washington can each play the same character in Fences and give their own take on it and give their own voice to it. And I'm glad they got, you know, James is a very talented actor. He's been in a ton of things. And I'm glad that he, that the episode let him be Sarek. Instead of be Mark Leonard as Sarah.
3: Well, he's a really smart. You know, he's a really was, smart actor, so he 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 never and he comes from the stage, so there's he approaches everything from analyzing the text and 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 really uh, deciphering it and and making it his own. So he's he's. He, but there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of
2: pressure, yeah. though. If you're playing, I mean, I mean, there's some. There the cast is wonderful on in the show, but if you know if you're you know, Doug Jones or Anthony Rapp or or, or Jason Isaacs or or uh Michelle, you oh everyone who's in the film who's playing a new character, there's no baggage to that character. Right. And you right, play yeah. a character where there's a tremendous amount yeah. of baggage to and very intelligently uh played it straight. And I thought that was great.
3: Yeah. He's great. He's really terrific. Well,
2: I can't so we mentioned in the other episode that you and I used to write Star Trek stories together so seeing a Star Trek story that you had a hand in big hand in writing with that with a much bigger budget than we had in our attic (laughs) with uh the the models the glue together models of the Klingon cruiser uh it that but that it still was a story about character and everything I was chuckling because I was thinking about you breaking down the Excelsior uh, bridge in the last episode, where it just looked like a community theater's production of Star Trek, and I'm comparing <laughs> that to the Vulcan shuttle at the beginning, where the with Sarek and the and the the sort of was it the the logic zealot
3: logic, logic extreme yeah. yeah,
2: and I'm looking at how much better that bridge looked as compared to the Excelsior in Star Trek Three. It is just sort of like, yeah, you're there. It's a different. It's a different animal. It's a different animal now.
3: Well yeah, the Vulcan that Vulcan cruiser is amazing both inside yeah. and out and uh it's the first time we've been inside a Vulcan ship, uh yeah. in Star Trek. That scene where they are
2: walking across the bridge to just the, the the I think it's the very opening shot where he's yeah. walking up. I'm like, Oh yeah. man, that is so you know, it's kind of bespin like, but it's really it was really cool. So hey anyway, I'm gonna geek out <laughs> yeah. to my brother's work. So <laughs> You can all just Let's, go home though.
0: Well, like no, I think I think I think like you said, Paul. I'm I'm sitting here listening, and I'm like, <clears throat> yeah, it's got to be sur- surreal in some ways for you know for you guys being kids and doing this stuff, and now it's for real, and it's legitimate, and it's in canon, and it's you know everything that it's become. I think that's that. Yeah, that must be it must be surreal.
2: Well, I'm tickled because Ted and yeah. I watched so much Star Trek and read so many DC comics, and now Ted's written for Supergirl. And written for Star Trek Discovery. So he's now officially part of those canon and those universes. And I'm like, oh, that's just, that to me is like, yeah, I played a season with the Royals. You know, it's sort of like all the, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my God, you he, he actually played Major League Base. So I'm, I'm tickled for my brother here. So you all can, you all can just deal with it. So.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, we're just as happy for you, Ted. So yes. that's awesome. Um, Thanks. I think we are talking about, <laughs> I think today we we're talking about minute uh, 45 of the search for Spock. Uh, uh, minute 45 starts with Kirk saying, and now Mr. Scott, and ends a minute later with the Enterprise making a turn away from Space Dock while Excelsior starts to loom into the frame. What a minute. <laughs>
2: what It is a cool, <laughs> it's a cool minute, yes. I agree. Ted and I were on the phone this morning. This- a couple of days ago, talking about this minute, saying that besides the 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 loudspeaker voice saying "danger, space doors," there's like five lines in this entire minute, and it's such a it's has my favorite moment in the movie, and it's everything that's great about Star Trek Three in that it's all story, great great James Horner moment, mm-hmm. uh, great acting from the crew, everyone's in their A game, and it's all it's it's all story development and i think it's it's terrific yeah and I,
3: amazing amazing effects by ilm yep. i mean I, these effects are again this uh, canon <laughs> like this is canon redefining it cuz there'd never been a space station like this mm. seen in any yeah. trek before and they created all of this and this really became the the language for tng Uh, right you know like when you look at this type of stuff and it's it is timeless the design is better than you know I think better than anything you see in a DC movie or a Marvel movie I mean the, the design of this is just cool and it feels real and it feels huge and heavy and you understand the technology and you understand the design so it's really neat
2: yeah, one of the things I read in in CineFX when Ted and I used to read Cinefix all the time, that Ken Ralston was the, the effects supervisor of this, and he would also supervised the space battle in Jedi. And they lit, you know, they have all these little, like, the windows of all the, you know, those are these lights for the windows that are represented throughout space dock. And they decided, instead of putting little lights that they would light up, they had one right. light source behind it, and they just scratched... The paint to make those little things so it's just instead those aren't all like individual light sources that's just little tiny little little scratches in the model and the light would come through there because they didn't have the money they didn't have the huge budget to rig that up the way they had done in the Death Star where there was a lot of individual lights in there and to me it works just as well it looks like a city in space and I just want to go there. I want to have a room there. I want to have, you know, I want to have the, the, to to eat at that restaurant and watch the ships go by. It just seems like the coolest place.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't think I would get tired of the view at Mm-mm. all, right? If you're just looking out into that thing. No. Um, no. Oh, yeah.
1: Especially seeing the big ships come in, like the Enterprise and seeing the Excelsior go out for the first time. I think that would be the, the best thing ever.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, now,
0: go ahead it's, paul the 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 lack of dialogue you were talking about in in the yeah. minute <clears throat> which is you know sometimes a challenge when you're trying to analyze it a minute at a time but i think yeah. i think in this one it's uh the james horner score makes up for the the lack oh, of dialogue yeah. right it, it almost just you don't need it because you've just got it it's 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 taking us through the minute and it's giving us the uh, uh the emotional uh peaks that we need um and so, yeah, that's it. Is this is one of my favorite sequences uh, musically as well as uh, just the scene itself.
3: I also think that you get to see the 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 roots of the much more mature uh, Leonard Nimoy director that emerges in four uh, in this sequence in the sequence when uh, Kirk reacts to David dying uh, and to the final scene uh, when. Spock kind of comes back. There's more elegance to everything that goes on here. If you look at it from an editing standpoint, this is a perfectly timed comedic adventure sequence. Like there's only five lines of dialogue, but they're motivated lines of dialogue. The cuts are exactly timed perfectly to get the maximum amount of comedy out of each line. The and now, Mister Scott, yeah, (laughs) you know, I mean, all, all of that is. That's trusting the actors to deliver what you need, cutting right when you need to, cutting away when you need to. It's it's a real. This is where you really start to see Nimoy spread his wings a little bit. There's some confidence here that isn't in scenes like when uh, <laughs> that first scene when the the Klingon bird of prey appears over the the flying toaster in space, whatever that thing is, with with the old guy with the, I mean that that sequence is so horribly shot and terribly edited it's just a mess but this sequence right here there's a lot of, I don't know if it's because it was storyboarded or there was they had to just think about it a lot more because of the the different departments you had to interact with but it's it's a really well edited acted and directed sequence
2: and do what's also great about it is that it it trusts the audience and there's no like scene where like Chekhov is going twenty seconds till crash, ten seconds till crash. There's none there's yeah. none of that element. We see that we're getting closer. And the music tells us, and the music also tells us when they're almost done with the combination. When they're like, you know, Scotty's you know, doing whatever the hell he's doing on the on the console there, and the music starts to build up just before the lights start to blink on the doors. And of course the doors start to open, but it's like, do you what? That's not the doors don't open like 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 a quick whoosh, and so there's still that bit of tension of are we going to sneak through here and and they don't have to say it it's 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 visual, it's almost like a silent movie, you know they they trust that you will get how close they are and what the danger is instead of being Johnny says what he sees and saying, "Oh my God, we're almost gonna hit the thing.
3: We see that, it's great. And I, I also I also think that there's something that happens with when when you have a director like Nimoy who knows his cast. Uh, if you look at the framing of when Shatner goes up to Doohan to say, you know, Kirk goes up to Scotty and says, you know, I am now Mr. Scott. And you if you I watched it a couple times to watch McCoy in the background. Yeah. And he's clutching the chair <laughs> and then he reacts. There's some really interesting framing. And if you look at it, it's it's. One two three. It's the it's this dot where your eye kind of follows, and it's 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 moving your eye up to McCoy in the background, and he reacts after Kirk does, and he clutches onto the chair, and and it's both a scared look and a comedic look, which again is part of the Nimoy understanding the characters and the comedy of the scene. This is you see framing here. There's mise en scène going on here that is helping to tell the story and not relying on uh, the big Michael Bay camera moves like if this were a Michael Bay mm-hmm. sequence the camera would be swinging around all of them and 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 doing push-ins and all it, it really doesn't it does there, the shot of the there's a slight push-in on uh Kirk and Scotty and then uh then it's a totally static shot and then there's a totally static shot of Sulu where George just raises his head a little bit but it's super, super exciting, and you're just letting these actors tell the story with the comedy and the, and the action uh, and relying on them. And it, it's really amazing when you look at this sequence without any music or sound, which I did a couple times to just kind of watch it and notice the editing. And it's, yeah. it's quite clever, but uh, it doesn't oversell it. It doesn't push it. It just lets the music and the effects and the actors kind of tell the story for you.
2: And Scotty does a little inhale at one point when they're looking and it's starting to open and he's like there's a little he does a little breathe in like okay I think this is going to work but maybe not and then you well, see
3: and Kurt does it with him which is fantastic it's 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 again these two actors who hated each other finding a way to uh make the scene work and it's it's quite funny uh <laughs> and and really exhilarating and 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 it makes you feel like you're watching Old school TOS. It's not as dark and grim at this point as as uh, um, Wrath of Khan, and it's certainly not as cold and 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 scientific as uh, the motion picture. This is this or is bloated. a lot, yeah. This is a lot leaner and straightforward, and it feels authentic. It feels pure track to me.
2: I just thought, like, if this were in the motion picture, this would be a yeah. ten-minute-long scene of the no backing
1: easily.
2: up. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be just absolute. Like, <laughs> it'd be like right. you just, all these buttons being pushed, and it the slowness of backing up, and you just remember, you know, the the never-ending scene of transporting Scotty and, and Kirk to the Enterprise and going through Viger. That this is this is a three-minute sequence because we've done three minutes on it, and um, but that's. Uh, it's it's perfectly timed and when you see the the what are those what are the things you said it perfectly in the other episode ted what are the the things on the side what are those called again the nasals
3: they're nasals nasals.
2: yes i yeah i'm not as into canon as ted is um but uh (laughs) but the uh when they you saw that they cleared and the music the james horn music just sort of kicking in and you realize okay they're not going to crash one of the things that really, really works about this scene, and, and you had alluded to it in the previous minute, Ted, was that you got the sense of how heavy the Enterprise is and how much damage it would cause by hitting those doors. By having the doors not you know, whoosh open quickly, um, by having them slowly in, in a very lumbering manner open up, uh, you just get the sense of the weight and the reality of this space dock. And yeah, it just you—it would be a fiery crash, and that would have been a terrible ending of the movie. That's, probably, that's, how, <laughs> Werner <laughs> Harris, that's how Werner thats how Herzog would have ended it—is that it crashes, and then you know, Spock's captain dies. So that
0: was that was one of the questions I have for you guys: is <clears throat> what, how bad would this have been? Uh, like, who would have lost if the doors hadn't opened? Would the Enterprise <laughs> have just crumpled, or would we have gotten a big hole in the door, or both?
1: Oh, were they moving fast? I think
3: both. Yeah, would have got stuck. Uh, I, I I have to imagine it would have caused massive damage. Although, who knows? I mean, I don't know. Do they have, uh, um, do they have shields or uh, containment fields or anything like that? I don't know. Dave, what did you say? Did you say?
1: I said, were they? I didn't even think they were moving that fast that it would cause damage.
3: Oh, I don't
0: know. I'm just picturing. I don't. I'm just picturing the nacelles like snapping off. That's what that's what would happen first. Like they just would have gone.
1: I, I feel like it would. They would hit it, do a little bit of damage, but I, beyond that, I I don't see them moving fast enough. I mean, the size of that door is huge. I mean, that is a thick door. Yeah. And I just don't. I yeah, I'd see more damage to the Enterprise than anything yeah. else.
3: Well, you're probably right about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the two I think we talked about it a little bit last minute too was the the, the two shots. There's only two shots here. There's one of, of the of the nacelles just starting to come into frame and the door is not open, right? And it looks like they're right on top of it. And then the, and then the shot of, of the doors uh, opening and they're just clearing it. And I am I'm, I'm watching I'm just watching it as we're talking and I can feel Kirk and Scotty's reaction is there as they're, as they're they're like, they don't know if they're going to clear the doors. And I feel myself just getting tense with them. Like, oh, my God, are they going to clear the door? You can yeah. right. you, you can feel it. And it's just the, the combination of the shots and the actors puts me right into it. And yeah, I love watching it. And I always, I always, every time I watch it, I want to know how close they really were. You know, is it feet? <laughs> right.
3: right. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I, I do feel like, it, again, if this were done... Today, this sequence would have them scraping along the walls and mm. you know out uh, doors and you'd see stuff crumple and they'd have the sequence would be played so differently today that you know we talked about it last time about saying you know Sulu would probably be down with a phaser holding off troopers from storming onto gangway and uh mccoy would be firing phasers at incoming transports it it would just be a completely different sequence and there is something adorably quaint uh and authentic about it this way which because star trek's not really that it's uh it's it's not that it's never been that it's there is adventure but it feels more like i I said this before but it feels more like horatio hornblower adventure you know where it's big ships on Mm. the on the on the open seas and sails billowing and uh not not uh dog it's
2: what kirk says before they go He said, may the wind be at our backs i mean it's everything yeah. was nautical and it's and it's yeah. and all the terms they use are nautical you know everything it's it's and their ranks are nautical admiral captain ensign that's those are naval uh ranks those aren't that's yeah. not the air force it's not the marines. so it's uh it's it's A beautiful sentiment and then they clear the doors (laughs) and you get you see you have scotty kind of closing his eyes in relief but there's like not a close-up of scotty going almost missed that one you know no it just just (laughs) let's play the story We're, we're off
3: well that's also a great point because sulu just then says space doors are cleared you know we've cleared space doors and it's great they're just right back to business and and that also means these are veterans they've been through decades of being you know in the heat of battle dealing with seemingly no win situations so there's something also equally authentic about just going right back into to work like okay got to turn this ship around we got to get away because again a really great editing sequence a great moment of victory, which is they pull backwards out the doors, but then as soon as then they immediately cut to an incredible shot of it of the Enterprise in a tiny little square, trying to get away with this overwhelmingly huge shot of the brand new Excelsior coming after them. So it's well before we. Get it's to... a beautiful. Yeah, I'm sorry, good finish. But it's a beautiful shot. But the framing of that, that, if you shot. think about it. Here's this old beat-up crew in this old ship as a tiny, tiny little... The Enterprise, which is normally seen as this giant ship, couldn't look more small and more insignificant and more overpowered by the Federation Starfleet. Everything around it is Starfleet. The, the space station, the Excelsior chasing after, it's just this t- in this little window of space trying to get away. And it's, it's really thoughtful framing and I don't know if it's Nemo or I don't know if that was ILM, but however it comes together, it doesn't really matter because what really matters is the storytelling and it. it. That one image tells so many emotions and plot and theme it, silently. You, can, you could watch it silently and know, I know exactly what I'm supposed to be feeling right now looking at that special effects shot.
2: And before, I just want to say that the shot where it's backing out and you see, it's one of my favorite ILM shots, because there is motion in the shot, and it does the three-point turn, and you see it clearing doors, and they can finally turn around. <laughs> uh, there has not been a time in my life, I've been driving since 1989, there's not been a time in my life I haven't backed out of a driveway and done the three-point turn, and at least for a moment to go, bom bum, 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 that, that <laughs> moment. I I every time I back out to like I did it yesterday it's like that's I am backing out of the driveway now I'm off to drive now it's it's the most badass 3 point turn in the history of movies and I don't think it's a coincidence that on your show <laughs> you use that cue if that, that's at the beginning of cuz that's the moment like all right boys it's adventure time. This is what we've been wanting the whole movie is to take the Enterprise back out. We've cleared the doors. We're on our way. Um, uh, actually, you start the <laughs> show with welcome aboard, Captain. But after that, you do the the, the James Horner cue. And I, this... My hair stands on end every time I see this. It's, it's a great ILM shot. It looks great. The, 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 the space talk looks amazing. And it's really one of if I were to have like, like my five favorite James Horner cues ever, you know, including glory, including field of dreams, including, you know, Braveheart, all the other scores he's done, this would probably be at the top, this particular, this, this cue. And this is the moment when you asked me specifically, said was there any minutes you want. So whatever minute has this moment is what I want, because this is my favorite shot in the film it's my favorite music cue. It's my favorite special effects moment. Everything about this is great, and it reminds me of when I was twelve, watching Star Trek Three. Suddenly getting back into Star Trek—that I had this <laughs> new thing that me and my brother could share. I mean, everything about this is is just makes me happy, and, and I, to this day I can't. Ted and I used to listen to the Star Trek Three soundtrack. I mean, into the nineties, I had that you know. Boy, the girls love that in my dorm room. Like I had like four CDs, and two of them were James Horner soundtracks. But, you know, and Ted can attest that that's actually true. Yes. But Ted and I used to make videos when we were around this age. We were living in Massachusetts to make our video camera. And we, we would set like our you know, our our, um, our cop videos we would make. We were like shooting up in there. But we would use the music from Star Trek 3 because we just loved it. And uh, so I just – this is my favorite – moment my favorite few seconds of the entire movie i uh
0: i have never really appreciated this shot but uh, mm-hmm. in in talking through this minute the the enterprise actually uh coming out of the doors and i never noticed before you can see the numbers on the doors there's actually numbers and we had, mm-hmm. we had talked yeah. about that i think earlier when we first saw space dock was is there only one door on this whole friggin' thing and this one says door 15 so I don't know if that's a, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's a door number or if that's the number of space dock itself. Uh, but that now it makes me go, oh maybe there are, you know, maybe there's 16 doors on this thing. Maybe there's, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's a really mm-hmm. cool detail. I mean, it's not really detailed cause it's gigantic numbers, yeah. but, um, that shot with the, the enterprise coming out, the doors, the 15 on the doors, the shadow of the enterprise on space dock just adds, uh, it all, it's all, it's so well put together and yeah, I'm this is one of my favorites now.
3: Yeah, I did. Yeah, the... Oh, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, I, I did not appreciate this shot as much until talking to the both of you. And things, two things that you mentioned about this particular scene was the weight of the ships and the, you know, the sailing. Particularly when, he, when they back out, you can picture yeah. the Enterprise is on the waves, sort of just slowly backing up. They're unfurling the sails, and then they're just getting ready to go. Mhm. I mean mm-hmm. the other thing is that I was thinking of is the the space dock is orbiting and the Enterprise is inside and has to back out that little tiny door. I gotta give all the props to Sulu backing that thing out.
3: Yeah. Yeah. He's he's the man. You know, a and and, and you, you, you mentioned the shadow. The the lighting in this scene uh is way more dynamic than stuff you saw even in you know, Wrath of Khan, uh, like the the lighting in this, ILM really did a lot to make it pop. Like when they come out, it looks mm-hmm. like that hard direct light from the sun. Uh, you you see it glaring at, at, as it's turning and moving along on the outside shot, both on the nasals when it's first backing out, and mm-hmm. and the wider shot on the as it there's just highlights and 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 where it kind of almost goes to full white uh on the edge of the space station it's it's uh all of those things help really sell this and then the other thing is that it it, it really they're really smart in how they show the battle damage and they keep the battle damage alive uh on the nacelles as it's backing up and on the on the dish when you see it in the wider shot all of those things and on the hull as it's uh, on the wider shot it just reminds you that they're the underdogs and you're 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 taking a team that you've seen win and win and win and win for decades, and you're turning them into the underdogs and the root fours. That's a tough thing to do, and they do it brilliantly in this scene.
2: And the shot where you see Excelsior starting to move into the frame, the one that you pointed out, Ted, where Enterprise Mm -hmm. is like in a tiny box in the lower right-hand corner, and then the Excelsior starts filling up the frame that's like this film's answer to the star destroyer chasing the blockade runner at the opening Mm -hmm. of star Wars that, that it gives like these two ships are probably more similar in size than the blockade runner and the star destroyer. And yet with this shot, with using the perspective and using what we're building up, that this is a superior brand new ship. And this is the beaten up enterprise, you know, with a tiny crew, it creates that, underdog quality that makes this chase which is by all recollection it's not much of this is not exactly the french connection we're seeing here these are two <laughs> these are two lumbering ships that don't really get they don't fire at each other you know one gets a one flies around the corner and goes into warp and the other tries and, and runs out of gas but the it, that's basically it but it's this is it's it's what Harve bennett Brought to the table, which is we're going to focus on the story and not the not the spectacle, and yet the spectacle here works uh, because it's serving the story and it trusts the story and it trusts the audience.
0: Yeah, uh, I never thought of that before, and and it's it, it, it. Paul, you said you know that you're right. The Enterprise and the Excelsior are probably roughly the same size, and you know I don't have my Starship charts next to me to show all the all the dimensions and whatnot, but uh, but you never really get there's 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 never a a scene in this movie where they're where they're really side by side, and you can get a sense of who's you know how much bigger the excelsior is, so you do in all the shots you do see it it does it looks like a monster, a beast, and uh yeah. i uh, I'm wondering how how deliberate that was throughout the whole film that never really put them side by side
2: well you saw in six when the two of them are when Sulu's commanding the excelsior. And Enterprise A and the Excelsior are both firing on the uh, the bird of prey. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that they're at least—I mean, Excelsior's bigger, but it's in the same—you know—they're the same ballpark. You know, it's not like it, it's not like uh, uh, an escape pod or something like that, or it's not like the no, I mean
3: No, but the 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 Excelsior is—I mean, just. just Going off the top of my head, the Excelsior class versus Constitution class. I think Excelsior is like almost 500 meters long and the Constitution is only 300 meters long. So it's a good 200, uh, almost 200 meters. I don't think it's quite 500 meters, but I think it's something like that. I think it's, it's over 450 meters. So it, it's, it, it is definitely a, it's, it'd be a little bit like a, ba- a battle sh- or a destroyer next to a, a an aircraft carrier, I think. Okay. Ted, I knew you'd have your your charts in front of you <laughs> uh, that's going off of memory right now, but <laughs> all right
0: uh, let's see what else we so yeah that is really that's the end of the minute really with the the looming um, excelsior coming into frame so uh, I, I have a question yeah. chris sure and i'm I'm going to
1: take this in a different direction
0: um, so
1: uh-huh.
0: minutes before
1: uh, Chris and I were talking about one of the minutes and it's when they first get on the ship, and Kirk says to everybody, says, you guys don't have to come along. Me and McCoy have to go, so we're going to go. What if they didn't go? How do those doors get open?
3: I think that was Kirk going, listen, I know these guys are going to go, but I want to look like <laughs> a good guy by giving them the out.
1: Exactly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, clearly he says
1: to him, he's like, okay, Mr. Scott, you can make it happen now. What if he's just... Right. I just think... Look, he's... this is kind of like
3: when you... This is like when you go out to dinner with a rich friend and you go, Look, <laughs> no, no, I'll pick up the check. And they go, no, 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 I got it. You go, no, no, <laughs> oh, okay, okay, you can it. So, I, I don't That's, think... That
2: was Kirk reaching for the wallet there. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, I'll pay I'll Oh. <laughs> I, got I did this. wonder
0: too, Dave. Just to that point, like what Scotty was doing there, because there's yeah, during that sequence, you can hear there's all sorts of fun sound effects and beeps and boops, and uh, all I'm picturing is right. uh, he's just plugging in different. Is he just trying different door combinations? Different, the whole different time, combinations, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and the other thing that I don't know if we ever talked about is at the beginning of this minute, is we see an empty hangar office, the you know with a the room where it says danger, danger, danger. Whatever happens to the to the guard there, are we supposed to assume that? they have done something to the man in there and that's how they're allowed to escape.
2: Oh, Oh Lord. I think it was a slow night. I think it's a slow night. Um, and it's like, they like, yeah, nothing's happening. clearly the guy was cleaning out the uh, restaurant and, uh, captain styles was buffing his nails. It's not exactly red alert time. And they go, do you know what? That guy working. I said, do you what? The, there's, I, I got two parked ships here. I'm going to go downstairs and grab a burrito because I know that the guys finished cleaning up. the That's rest what I expect to
1: see: is either the guy running out of the yeah. bathroom with his pants down, being like, "Oh my
3: god, it's my station." Yeah. Well, that's a good, that's I a good question. Up. What would have happened if he were there or she? Like, uh, if the if the engineer or whoever it was, the the the, the petty officer was sitting at their post. Would they have been able to block Scotty? Would they have been able to override Scotty's override? I mean,
0: uh... yeah. I see. I I picture if that happened, I picture that the Scotty would have gotten the doors open earlier, but then the guy would have overridden him. We would start seeing the doors open and then close, mm-hmm. and then open and then close if they duke it out.
3: Right. 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 Right.
2: Uh, it would be open,
1: close, open, close. <laughs>
2: I think we're starting to see why that chair was empty because they didn't have to deal with that. Harv Bennett just said, just have the chair be empty and they back up. Let's go. Come on. Come on.
1: We just want yeah. this great shot of the enterprise backing up. That's all we want.
3: But it is funny. Like that is that's one of those moments where sometimes we have in the writer's room where we'll think, like, oh, we'll have this moment where they where Kirk says, None <laughs> of you have we have to do this. None of you do. Like you should you should really go. We, you never go down the other path with all of them went, yeah, screw it. Cap, we're out. Like, you know, we've been, we put 40 <laughs> years into the Starfleet. We're not going to back out of it now. The movie's over. Suddenly he's like, no, uh, actually, gentlemen, you're all being held hostage. We have to go. I, I just don't know what else you do other than that. It's, it's, uh, it's something I've never thought about until you brought it up right now.
0: I have, a, I have another, another observation that I meant to make when the Enterprise arrived um and and we get a shot of it <clears throat> we get a shot of it here uh in that same shot with enterprise backing out and you can see the doors there's like a there's there's like a, a runway in there mm-hmm. you see like land, you see landing lights and and it goes on quite a ways you can see it in the in the beginning when enterprises at the beginning of the minute when the enterprise is backing up and i, I wonder what that's for I, I mean, know there's ships that, that are coming into space dock they're actually going to, to land yeah. on that
3: thing or it could act as like for all we know there are sensors on there that kind of help guide it because it usually comes in through automated uh. you, know, you know flight uh, we also don't know like there's that whole kind of trench there uh, that you see when it's backing out where there could be airlocks and, and other you know ports and all that because there's tons and tons of shuttles that right. zip around that we see in Star Trek 4 and in, and in Star Trek six, so there's got to be just different interfaces, and I'm sure there's places where people in EV suits can fly in and out. Uh, I mean, that's the, the neat thing where I wish we were living in the 23rd century, because... There's yeah. so much tech that would just, like, open up, and everything seems so cool to move around. You're either beaming somewhere, or you're in an EV suit, or you're in a shuttle, you're in a giant dome floating around Earth. I mean, all that stuff is so yep. cool.
0: I know, just have it, just have being a shuttle, right? I mean, that's probably just like a car in the 23rd century, but that's... Like, that's oh, right. I know. Why can't we have that yet? Even being... yeah.
3: Even being this air traffic controller sitting there, who basically just hits a button and say door open, door closed, that's the coolest job in the world. Look at that.
2: I, I would be the guy in the motion picture, the flying around regular one with the uh, uh, or the, uh, the, the 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 communications uh, station. Oh yeah, just yeah, Flying around on his jetpack. Yeah. Except he does get he does get swallowed up by V'ger, So I guess that's, 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 that's uh, the risk. Not he doesn't have a good ending, but. Uh, yeah, so, uh, no, I'd know. i be the guy doing backflips when the Enterprise is backing out of the cage. That, that would be me, just waving, doing a flip, and then <laughs> get back to my little car that has little hands on it. So. That's, that's how we all feel watching Star Trek, right? You just want to be that guy. I'll say something that um, I want to – I know we're wrapping up the week that we did here. I, I, wanna, I do want to say this about specifically the three the, – the contained trilogy of 2, 3, and 4, which is one of the few trilogies that ever stuck the landing, that you know—that that had a satisfying ending. I believe that it's because of Rathacon, Search for Spock, and Voyage Home, the popularity of those movies are the reason why Star Trek existed and moved on to the 90s and to today where it's, it's paying for my brother's mortgage. And the, the reason I say that, the same reason why I say Roger Moore kept the 007 series alive into the eighties that we think of this as a product of the sixties. We think it's a big show that was a cult hit, became a, a, a syndication hit and then, you know, went on. But I think Star Trek would have eventually died on the vine if these three films weren't as good as they were, if they were just like, Oh, they were good movies or whatnot, but they became a film that people of our generation, Ted, my generation were able to embrace these not as extensions of the TV show, but as a movie franchise onto its own. Right. Like I know a lot of people who know mainly these three films and don't know the original series that well. And so because they were this good, and you really couldn't wait to see three, and you couldn't wait to see four, and they were successful, and the success of four led directly to The Next Generation, which came out the next fall. And Next Generation took it on into the 90s. I think that we don't have Star Trek except for this weird sort of nostalgia like The Man from U.N.C.L.E. or something like that. If Rathacon, Search for Spock, and Voyage Home didn't hit with the audiences the way they do. And Star Trek has remained relevant every decade since then. And I think that it's the success of this and that an entire generation watched it not for nostalgia... But because no, 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 this is ours to watch. I think gave Star Trek life that I guarantee you no one would have imagined, even when it was in syndication, and that they had the you know the pretty good animated show in the seventies. That it became something, it became something of the eighties and and beyond. And I think that that's the success of the fact that you know there's not a generation that doesn't know who Spock and Kirk and McCoy and all of them are, uh, it's because of the success of these films that, that gave it that new life.
3: Yeah, and, and I, I would say that the visual design of, and even the color scheme of Next Gen, really owes more to these movies than TOS. I mean, right. it, it's one of the things that that I always say to people who kind of complain about, what Discovery looks like in comparison to TOS. It's like, well, TOS leading into the motion picture leading into uh Wrath of Khan and and, and this movie is like <laughs> you'd get whiplash from the the, the the different looks of the ships and the uniforms. It's just that's kind of Star Trek. It just kind of does that. But but Next Gen really was born out of this. The red uniforms, the um the, the 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 design of the the starships, uh, the design of the the space stations, oh, all yeah. of that really came from from these the movies. hallways. Yeah,
2: the hallways. The, they they used, if I'm not mistaken, they used this design for the space dock in some episodes yes. of Next year. Gen-
3: they actually used the yeah. shot of, they of the same one. They used the same shot and just dropped the the Enterprise D on top of it. Well, there you
2: go. They're so frugal. Yes. But... So I, Ted and I want to do a little guessing game here. Um, because I know you guys have asked to rank the order of the the films in terms of the way you like it. I'm sure. going to see if I can guess Ted's order. Okay. Um, okay. I think for Ted, and I'm just going to say the subtitle instead of I think your one is two and your two is three. I'm just going to say the, the subtitle. I think your favorite, number one for you, is Voyage Home. Mm. Uh, I think your second is Khan. I think your third is this one, Search for Spock. I think your four is Motion Picture. I think five for you is Undiscovered Country. Six, of course, is the Voyage Home. Uh, uh, Not Voyage Home, uh, Final Frontier. Whatever the one that is with Cyborg. And um, I have no idea what to do with the J.J. J. Abrams films or the next generation films. I'm not going to bother, like it. but although uh, I I do remember you liking the first J.J. J. Abrams films a lot more than I like. Yeah, I like
3: the I it very much. So, I think it's good.
2: Yeah, so so I think you would So yeah, uh, um, so that's my order of your original cast film. Did did I get it?
3: Uh, close. Not 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 quite. But uh, not quite. Okay. Um. All right. What did I get? Uh. Yeah. Um. Well, my number 1 is definitely 4. That is that is true. Uh I think 4 is is such an interesting movie. I think it's uh it's both funny uh but also thoughtful and if you think about it, uh they made a movie about communicating with a probe as opposed to destroying it. They made a movie about raising awareness for uh whaling in a major motion picture which was actually an important thing to talk about at that time. It it continues to be, but what an interesting social commentary to have in a major science fiction action-adventure movie. Um, The characters are so focused. uh, It's a wonderful, wonderful use of all the supporting characters, with the exception of maybe Sulu. He gets a little short shrift there. Um, But it's great. Um, My second favorite is, and this is a super, super... um, divisive thing to say but my second favorite is the motion picture i love the motion picture uh i know that the motion picture people hate it i hated it when i saw it as a kid (laughs) i actually really think it's interesting it's smart uh it's uh about again about communication not destroying something that's really neat um i i love the look of it uh i love that um Mm -hmm. You know, if I fall asleep in the middle of it, I can wake up and the same scene is going on. So that's kind (laughs) of cool. No, I mean, look, it's incredibly bloated and cold and there's a lot of problems with it. But there's also a lot of stuff that I just love about it. Mm -hmm. And I love how bold the visual design is that they said, we're going to take what we like, which is kind of the shape of this ship. And that's about it. And then we're going to um, we're kind of break the mold and, and do it again. I mean, they kept the 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 D seven the the Klingon ship the same, but but you know, other than that, I mean, they certainly radically changed the Klingon design and both their clothes and the uh, their actual physical appearance. Their so uh, I, I think yeah. it's a bold movie. Uh, number two for me is Khan. Um, uh, number. Uh, Four is uh, my, my my next one. Then is the undiscovered country. Uh, then it's Search for Spock, which again, it, Search for Spock may be one of the closest to my heart. But just as a movie, I would put it down lower. Uh, and then it's then it's five, mm-hmm. which I think I've only watched once in my life. Yeah. I tried to I
2: tried to rewatch five, and I just couldn't. I couldn't. And I tried to rewatch five after the camping stuff, when it actually gets into the adventure. Uh, i thought maybe i maybe i misread it and uh, <laughs> nope did not did not misremember it. it it even after the camping crap and they go on to the the planet i'm like oh maybe it gets better there maybe i just and like nope nope
0: so i thought yeah guys i thought i don't know I, I don't want ted to get mad at me but um the discovery episode choose your pain um I, I thought I was wondering if that was a tiny nod to the Final Frontier and Cybok, who kept saying "share your pain."
3: Uh, <laughs> there there is not a lot of Cybok or uh, Star Trek Five discussion in the room. Uh, I will say, I don't know why. I don't uh, know why. No, I get it. I get it. Uh, they both have the word pain, um, but no. <laughs> Uh, no, it, I,
0: it, it, it crossed my
3: mind as I'll just
0: say that
2: it just crossed my mind. Um, when there's a row, row, row your boat scene. In January, oh, that's God, no brother. No. All right. Well, I, I, all right, Ted, I, I, I thought I was going to nail it, but I, uh, I, I misread the room. I misread the room. All right. Can you guess me though, Ted? Can you guess mine?
3: Well, I'm going to say cons. is your number one voyage home is your number two. Uh, uh, then I'm going to say uh search for Spock then um final frontier uh or or the, and uh
2: final frontier
3: and i mean uh, uh jesus christmas really uh, <laughs> Star Trek six and then uh and then uh um motion picture
2: uh almost there i i uh, is my favorite I just think it's a great movie. I, just, I think it's an and it's an incredibly rewatchable movie uh, mm-hmm. for me and that and and I get so much emotion behind it I really I'm really moved to tears when I see it um and yeah I and then voyage home and I hope you ask a son for when you do voyage home on the show because watching voyage home on opening weekend with my brother is still one of the greatest movie going experiences of my life that was just so like the ending of that movie, like, people were hugging each other. You know, it was like, we were hugging strangers yeah. by the end. It was like, it was like it was like watching a home run at the end, the bottom of the ninth. Um,
3: and, and by that and, point uh, in my life, by, by that point in my life, I had been going to Star Trek conventions, so it was really wild to be standing in a line with other Trekkies. And there were guys that were older than me. They were probably, you know, 19 or 20. And one of them was, uh, was talking to their friend who hadn't seen Star Trek three, And the way that he just... Was got so angry when he talked about how they destroyed the Enterprise and how and 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 and, and that Kirk had the audacity to do that. Uh, it's, it's it was so, and then at the end, the cheer when you saw the Enterprise mm-hmm. A come on, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it was uh, it was such a great thing. And that's also the nice thing that this movie does is that it it knows that the end of the movie is getting the family back together. And it has to let the team live with some of the pain and loss, which is why it's a movie and and not an episode of TV that it you know he loses his son and he loses the enterprise. he gets Spock back. they they're 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 restrained enough to know leave uh, leave the enterprise gone for a movie, which is kind of the equivalent of leaving Spock dead for a movie. Uh, and it's it's uh it's really it's really clever. Uh, that they do that. I don't know if movies today would have that kind of restraint to say, wait for three years to find out what happens next. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I
2: have uh, motion picture higher than you had on on your list for me. That, that's my number four. Uh, I, I put the the first three, uh, the uh, Rathicon, voyage home and search for Spock, just because I kind of see them all as one big story. They're my top three, and also because I have so much emotion behind Search for Spock. As I said, that that's my gateway drug into Star Trek fandom. <laughs> I can't put it lower than three on my list. Just I just can't do it. Um, then I I do have Motion Picture there, which is a film I absolutely abhorred the first time I saw it. But I think, uh, you, I think uh, uh, Chris and David, you saw I posted on the Star Trek Listener Federation a blog post I wrote where I said that I learned how to love the movie by watching it on TV with commercials yes, because yeah. it was – it was created as a pilot for Star Trek Phase mm-hmm. One and then they they expanded and made it bloated because they were gonna make an epic movie out of it. But when you watch it the way it was designed, it's a if that was a two part episode, the way you guys had a two part episode for Discovery, if that was your two part episode, it was everything Star Trek. And it was there's was motivations for the plot, it's it's got a great ending. And a whopper of a twist at the end. And it was, it was like a really great episode. Uh, and then Six, because I think I loved how the crew gets the send-off uh, in that. And I will say of the Next Generation films, you know, Ted, I was never much of a Next Generation fan. But the one with the Borg I thought was a cool movie. I, I really enjoyed I thought that was a good, fun movie. I have no idea if it holds up. But you took me to that movie, and I, I had fun watching it. So there
0: you That go. one has a great Picard moment. When he's, when he's yes. high, we'll make them pay for what they've done. Mm-hmm. That's like one of my favorite lines in Star Trek, all of Star Trek is that moment there. Uh, yeah, that's a classic.
3: Well, it's also got a great Marina uh, a yeah. uh, moment where she's drunk at the at the bar and passes out. And <laughs> a really great head turn by Jonathan Frakes <laughs> when, when she passes <laughs> out. Uh, and I can say I've seen him do that... Uh, in person at a bar with me. So that's, that was a bucket, bucketless list <laughs> moment that. And when I asked him to, uh, I, 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 was drunk enough to say, Hey, would you, um, would you, and he kind of looked at me and said, what do a Riker? I said, yeah. You know, and he just without, without hesitation, leaned back and went shields up, run alert in the packed bar. And, and he just looked at me and goes, "I love being Riker. It's great. So I was like, oh, I love it when people love love what kind of they're known for and 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 what we love them for so it was, uh, that was great. But yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of awesome in first contact.
0: Awesome. Wow, well, there you go. Well gentlemen, yeah i uh, I, I hate to say goodbye, but uh, uh, well first <laughs> I guess, does any, does anybody have any uh, notes on this minute Any any leftovers for this one?
3: I think if you just haven't watched Star Trek three in a long time, or if you're a, a, if you're a next gen fan that hasn't checked out some of the older ones, this is, as Paul said, part, you know, the middle part of a three part story. I mean, I would go as far to say that you could jump from Star Trek four to Star Trek six, and it's actually a four part story because it's if you watch all four of those movies together, they're a really beautiful story about getting older keeping your place in the universe and also adapting, which is why I think Star Trek Six is such a beautiful movie. It's about people, you're never too old to, to grow and to change and to evolve and learn, which I think is the bookend to where Rafa Khan picks off where he says, I feel young. Uh, I, I think they're, all four of these movies are really beautiful movies to look at together as one long journey. It's almost like watching a, a miniseries. Um, So I I would really recommend watching it and knowing that there are going to be goofy parts in the same way that any TOS or Next Gen episode or Voyager or Deep Space Nine, you're going to see some either goofy episodes or goofy scenes. But um, that's also part of what makes Star Trek awesome. It's not cool, it's neat. And that's what I love about Star Trek. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And as I said in one of the earlier episodes, it's one of the few... I mean, I just look at it as a trilogy, but you're right, you could extend it to six, that, that sticks to landing. And when you think that, start, that the first time you see the crew with Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Uhura, Chekhov, Sulu on the bridge of the Enterprise together, the first time you see that is the last scene of Star Trek IV. Because you know, Chekhov is on Reliant, and we're not sure what's happening. Like even, you know, it's never all together until the very end of Star Trek IV. Oh yeah. And so when they're together and they're on the Enterprise and they've gone through all this together, it's like this feeling of oh my god, we're all we're back where we should be. And man, how great is Star Trek Five going to be? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's it's also why it's so disappointing that Star that you you leave Star Trek Four and they're going out to explore and the team is all there and the and the bridge looks awesome and then you come back and it's just like wait the Enterprise it's, they just built it and it's all broken down and fallen apart and and everyone's just camping instead and and they they're lost and everything's <laughs> falling apart like what. What planet am I on? Am I? Am I? What, what's going on here? It, it, it's the biggest misfire coming off of the best ending that you could possibly have for four. It, it's it's like if they had knocked five out of the park, it, Star Trek I think would have gone through the roof in a way that that it never quite transitioned into the into the main public. Uh, it was always kind of it was never kind of as. As omnipotent uh, and, and and omnipresent as uh, is the word I was looking for, as Star Wars, uh, and it, it could have been like Marvel movies now. I think, uh, I think now it's it's getting its real due, which I'm really happy about. But there was a time people forget, like in '89 when five came out, it seemed like ooh, I think I think we may be done here. Yeah, yeah, that was a sad. Yeah. time. I thought they were. I thought they
2: were, and I was when they made six. I, it was like they had to, it was as if they said, look, we can't have it end with a scrap. Have, <laughs> yeah. Let's just get everyone, everyone's way too old, we know. Let's make a film where they are too old and say goodbye to them because we can't say goodbye. I, I remember being really sad that, um, like, because you and I saw that. With, four was one of the best experiences I've ever had in movie theater with you, Ted. Five was one of the worst, and you and I saw that together <laughs> too. And I remember feeling like, yeah, that's it. They're not going to do another one. And our last image of Kirk, Spock, and McCoy was singing Row, Row, Row Your Boat Around a Campfire. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is not good. This can't do. And, and so when they did six and six was good, I was like, okay, good. Don't spoil it. Certainly don't have uh, Scotty Chekhov and Kirk show up in the next generation film or, or, ruin the goodbye, you know, just, just <laughs> ed, ended perfectly with, with you know, the signatures in space and, and, and heading off into, uh, uh, heading off to the sun.
0: Cool. Very cool. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much for being on this week. It was a huge treat. And, uh, um, and really oh, appreciate, it. yeah, appreciate all your thoughts, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll have you back. Uh, I would love to have you back when we do the other films, and um, yeah, so we're gonna wrap it up here. Uh, uh, just a call, shout out to the audience. Uh, ask if you want to head out and uh, uh, give us a give us a rating and review on iTunes. Would be uh, much appreciated. It'll help the show out and uh, uh, get us up there in in the rankings of uh, all the other Star Trek podcasts that are out there. And we're going to be back again on Monday talking about minute 46 of the Search for Spock here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye now.
1: Bye.